You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. For those of you that are just joining us, we're looking at the story, or we have been looking at the story of Mary and Joseph, or Joseph and Mary, and uh, we, we, we're looking at their journey that they're on. I think it's very interesting, this journey that they're on. I think it's interesting that the, 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 the pain, if you will, the frustration, the ups and downs that they were willing to go through just so that they can birth this baby Jesus that we would say is the hope of the world. And, and that kind of set the foundation and the premise really of our, of our talk today. And in fact, this series, this idea that uh, how you see Jesus will determine the length that you are willing to go through to share him with other people. And so uh, I think that it's important that we have like this right perspective of who Jesus is. And so uh, the first week we looked at Jesus is faithful. Last week we looked at Jesus is peace. And this week, uh, I'm not going to tell you yet, but uh, Jesus, he actually, he actually kind of alluded to this idea, the importance of how you see him. Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, and it's verse 13, he, he's talking to his disciples, and he says this, who do people say that I am? In other words, he's asking, like, how, how, do, people, how do people see me? The uh, apostles, the disciples, they replied. They said, well, Jesus, some, some think uh, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're just another prophet. And basically, they were saying, people just see you as another person. People just see you as another good idea, another good man. And then Jesus, he, he does something only Jesus can do. He, he kind of refines his question. And I would say that this is probably the most important uh, question that you will ever answer, have to answer. And he says this. He says, but who do you say that I am? Like, it's great that these people see me that way, but, but how do you see me? How do you see me? And so this morning, uh, I want us to look and, and talk about the subject, they're not here. They're not here. And again, if this is your first time, we have a little saying around the house that a quiet church is a dead church, which simply means that you are free to shout down the preacher. Come on. And so if I'm saying something that's like a little bit delicious, right, like you can, you can, you can be like, amen. And you, you can also say, mm. <laughs> I haven't had that yet. Uh, you, you can say, preach, preacher. If it's really good, though, you, you can stand up. You don't even have to say anything. You stand up, cross your arms, and just start nodding. If it's really, really good, no, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump into week three of Hope is Born. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much. Um, for just bringing us here today, God, this community of believers and, and people that, um, man, just want to get to know you. Father, I pray right now that you would speak through me, God, that whatever um, you want to say, God, that, that, that it would speak to the hearts of, of every individual here this morning. 
God, we, we want to leave change. Nobody here has an hour and 10 minutes to waste, God. And so, Father, would you, within this next moments, would you just work in our lives, God, so that we can leave change, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. God, and we also, because my prayer worked last week, God, I, I want to pray for the Niners as, as they are playing the Seahawks. God, you are so faithful. And so we thank you, God, that, that if the streets in heaven are paved with gold, clearly you are a Niners fan. And so we ask that you would go before them today. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said, amen. Don't get religious on me, somebody. Hey, so road trips. Who loves road trips? Road trips. Like, I used to love road trips. I would, I would go on road trips with my dad and myself. We would drive from here to Dallas, Texas, um, every summer, every Christmas. And so, like, I love road trips. I, I don't like them so much now. Um, we just, my family recently just went on a road trip four months ago, uh, my seven-year-old, my five-year-old, and then at the time, my two-month-old, and uh, we decided, we were like, hey, let's be not smart, and we drove to Disneyland. Yeah, so we went on this road trip, and, and we were excited. Now, I, I do want to press this with this. Uh, before uh, we left, my wife was like, hey, babe, maybe we should, so that you don't have pressure to drive all the way to L.A., we should get a hotel midway so that we, we can just chill, relax. And I said, stop. I don't need a break. Like, I can do this. I can drive, right? I was like, if we leave early enough in the day, uh, it will just, it'll be perfect. How many of you guys know that when you go on a road trip, you never leave when you want to leave? Your kids have to pee more than you expected them to pee. And so, so here we are, we're on this road trip, right? And, um, and we leave late. My kids have to go to the bathroom like every 10 minutes, it seemed like. And we're driving, and uh, we didn't get to, well, we, we were driving for a while. We stopped for lunch, we stopped for dinner, we stopped for gas, we stopped for uh, restroom breaks. It was just crazy. We finally, uh, it was around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and, um, and I'm like, I'm driving, right? And I'm like, dozing, right? And my wife's like, wake up! I'm like, I'm up, I'm up. And she's like, babe, I think we need to, uh, she, she said to me, I think we need to just get a, get a hotel. And I was like, no, babe, I can do this. And so, like, I'm, I'm just, and then eventually I'm like, yes, we need to get a hotel. And so we pulled off, uh, we should have probably realized what we're getting ourselves into because it was a very shady area. And we, we, we pulled off into, like, where uh, it was, like, a strip of motels with a whole bunch of big rig trucks lined up and and we're like, hey, you know, let's, you know, we'll just go here. And so here we are, we're, we, we check, I, I go to see if there's a hotel for us there, and or a room, excuse me, and, and the guy was like, yes, we have a room, and I'm like, amazing. And uh, so I get the key, I get my kids, I grab the luggage, and, and at this point, like, we're just exhausted, like, we're super tired. 
we're thinking, man, I just, we just want to jump in the bed, right? Like, just, it was one of those nights where your head just hits the pillow and you just, you're out. Maybe take a cold shower, right? So we get in, we, or we, we get to the door, I open it, and it's like, Like, that was not happening. <laughs> like, this room was disgusting. Like, I didn't even want to walk on the carpets. Like, disgusting, right? And I was like, babe, I don't know if, like, we should stay. She's like, no, I'm too tired. We unpacked. We're staying here. Like, okay. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I go into a hotel room, I turn on the AC because I don't have to pay the bill, right? So I just crank. And so I go, and that's the first thing I do. I went to go turn on the air, and the air didn't work. And so this is in the middle of summer, and it's hot. The room's kind of musty, and it's, it's kind of gross. I, I call the front desk. I'm like, hey, your AC doesn't work. He's like, this is the only room that we have for you. I'm like, okay. I went to try to go take a shower. The water doesn't work. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is, my son's like, I have to go pee. He goes to use the restroom. He tries to flush it, but because there's no water, the toilet doesn't flush. And then my little girl had to go to the bathroom. And so, like, urine was accumulating in the toilet. Like, <laughs> too graphic? Maybe, just maybe. But I want you to see my point. And so here we are. It's in a hot room. The toilet is stinky. The carpet is nasty. And we're like, Let's just fall asleep. <laughs> and so uh, my kids fall asleep. And I remember lying next to my wife after she cussed me out. No, I'm just kidding. She did. She, she did. She did. But I, I remember lying next to my wife. And I was like, babe, like, I just, I just want to go home. Like, I just want my bed. I just want my, I just want my, I just want water to work. Like, I just, I, I, I just miss the comfort of, of my home. I, did, I just wanted to go, I just wanted to go home, you know? And I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this road trip and, and I was thinking about how we got to a destination that was not really what we were expecting. And I realized this is probably exactly the same way that Joseph and Mary felt in the journey that we're, that they're on right now. This idea that they're on this road trip and they get to this place, this, this room, this hotel, hostel, whatever you want to call it, and they, they, it's not what they were expecting. And I was thinking about that, like, man, that, that, this, is, this is horrible. Like, hmm. See, if you're just joining us this morning, uh, as I said earlier, we're on this journey of Mary and Joseph. And, and if you're unfamiliar with the story, here's just the cliff notes. Um, Joseph and Mary, they two young lads and ladette, ladette they, they fall in love. And uh, they do what young people do. They, they fall in love and they get engaged. And so they're engaged. They're, they're happily engaged until Mary uh, texts Joseph and is like, babe, I'm pregnant. The problem is that, like, they never, you know, and, um, and, and so now there's, like, a little bit of weird tension in the room, in the relationship. Joseph, actually, we read last week, Joseph was about to um, break it off. He, he, was, he was like, mm, 
I don't want anything to do with this. But an angel was like, hey, no, stick with it. It's going to be okay. And so clearly they worked it out because what we're about to read in Luke chapter 2, they, they, they're about to be on a journey. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And it says, it's at the time the Roman Empire, Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And so basically, this uh, census that they were doing was an opportunity for the Roman Empire to keep tabs of all the individuals that were living under the canopy. And uh, they basically wanted to make sure that everyone was paying their fair due of taxes. So think of it as like a giant tax audit. Okay? Yay. That's what I thought. And, uh, and so uh, verse 3, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, uh, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth. Galilee, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. So Joseph and Mary, they, they had to leave their hometown to go to David, or, uh, excuse me, Joseph's hometown. And, uh, and, and it was about a 90 to 100 mile journey, uh, seven to 10 day trip on foot, and you're pregnant. Okay. <laughs> And, um, and then, so verse 6 is really, really where we're going to land our plane and, and really where um, this thought of, of this entire message is, is found in. And it says this, and while they were there, can you say there? And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Now, what's so interesting to me is that... The fullness of all that God had for Joseph and Mary, that it wasn't fulfilled until they got there. See, this morning, I want us to talk about there. I think there is symbolic, is a symbolic place that, that, that we all tend to shy away from. But I think that the fullness of whatever God has for our lives is found there. And so I'm going to explain what there is, but before I talk about what is there, you first got to understand who Jesus is. And so uh, this morning, I need you to know that Jesus is life. Jesus is life. And until we understand that Jesus is life, we will never understand what there, the significance of there. So, so Jesus is Life. Perhaps my favorite verse of all time is found in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And it says this, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, but this is Jesus speaking, but I have come that you would have life. That you would have life. Now, I think it's very easy, at least in, for me, to, to kind of put a period right there, just life. But I love how Jesus expounds on that. Like, he didn't come just to give you life, right? He goes on to say, but I've come to give you life so that, where'd my verse go? And have it in all of its fullness. All 
of its fullness. See, it's, to me, it's this idea that, that Jesus has something for you and for me, that, that he has a life for us that is beyond anything that we can comprehend, but, but he has so much full, like, I almost read it to, 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 read, in, in, to read it as that you, you have no idea what the fullness and greatness that God has for you until you put your life in him, in his hands. He said that I didn't come that you would just have life, but that you could have life to the fullness. That there's, that there's something about trusting Jesus with your life. That, and not just eternal life. I think that's great. But I think that also right here, physical on earth life, that there is something, there is a fullness that can take place when you trust him. And so Jesus is life. He has fullness. There's a fullness of life that he has for us. But I believe, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it more, but I believe that the fullness, this fullness of life, that it's not found here, but it's found there. So the Bible says that Mary and Joseph, they went from here to there. See, so here, uh, Mary and Joseph, they, they went from here, and, and this is their home, right? This is their, uh, their, their friends are here, maybe their home is here, maybe their car is here. I'm just kidding about the car. But, like, everything that they knew, everything that they loved, everything that they were used to was right here. See, if I could define here in one word, it's this, comfort. And so the Bible says that Mary and Joseph, they went from here, their comfort, their, their comfort zone, to there. But what's amazing is that the fullness, the fulfillment of what God had for them, it didn't happen here in the comfort. It happened over there. And so if here is the comfort, then there is everything outside of your comfort. See, for them, there was that 90-mile journey. There was that rejection that they had to face. There is where they had to go without having a place to, to birth this baby Jesus. But, and so all of these things, this uncomfortableness is found there. But guess what? There is where the hope was born. And so I'm reading this and, and, and I'm thinking, man, God, what if the fullness that you have for my life is not found here, but there? It's not found in the things that I find comfortable, but it's found over there where things are stretching a little bit. When, when things are a bit uncomfortable and things just kind of feel a little unsettling, when, when I'm in the zone of that place where, like, I don't really know what to expect and I'm just, I'm just kind of there. But I want to say this morning that I think God wants to do something, but not here, but there. And so... In culture, society, I would think that this to be true, that, um, that we love comfort. Like we, do, like we filter our choices, our decisions based off of 
comfort. Like, will I be comfortable doing this? Now, some of us, we're like, we, we, we like to not be comfortable, which, you know. But majority of us, like, we're, we're here. Like, we love that. We love to feel comfortable. Like, we live for comfort. We live for it. And if you're here this morning and, and, and you would consider yourself um, or identify yourself as a Jesus follower, um, then if you're not careful, this, this, this uh, filter that we filter everything through, this lens of comfort, it's very easy to, uh, to begin to let that seep into our faith. And then pretty soon, like, our, our faith life is filtered through the lens of comfort. And, uh, and so, let me, let me say this first. We do, we try our best to make sure that when you're here on Sundays, you have an opportunity to jump out of your comfort zone, but it's never a forced thing. Because comfort, you, for you to step out of your comfort zone, that's not my job. That's God's job. And so, so we will give you that opportunity, right? And, but, 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 but this idea that, that um, the, the, the comfort zone it has, has crept up into our faith. And, and that's really what I want to talk about this morning for the next 60 minutes that we're together. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Is, is um, this idea the comfort zone and my goal is is to get you out of that comfort zone to, to begin to be okay with saying God can can I get out of that comfort zone see it's, it's like this okay uh, imagine this stage this stage is my comfort right so like everything on this stage is what I would say is my comfort zone right so like uh, whatever the, the, just it's this area right here so everything on, on this stage is what I'm comfortable with. Like, my, com my comfort zone. Like, I'm comfortable going like this in worship. Don't get me up here. Like, this, this is not, my, my plate is right here, okay? Like, I'm not going to jump, but I will tap my foot. Like, that's my comfort zone, right? Like my comfort, I'm not gonna serve, but but I'll show up. That's my comfort zone, and whatever it is, that's fine. That's your deal. And so everything on this stage is what we would feel comfortable with. Everything off the stage is things that we're uncomfortable with. Now they're not necessarily bad things, just things that we're unsure of. Things that were like, man, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Right? And so, like, this, is, this, this off the stage is not necessarily a bad place. It's just, just the unknown. We, we don't know. And I think what we've done is, is we, we begin to look at our comfort zone and, and, and our level of comfort. And, and we've become just really okay with it. Like, man, I love this right here. It's, whoo, I got room. Like, I'm comfortable. But the fullness 
of what God has for your life? What if it's not found here, but there? See, because you can look at, if you look at this, this area, it's very easy to be like, whoa, I'm in the fullness of what God has for me. But is it really? Because I'm looking at this area of real estate, and then I'm looking at all of this area of real estate, and, and it seems to me that this over here, there's more than over here. And then I think that's what comfort does. Comfort is dangerous because comfort can make you feel like it's a friend, like it's a companion. And it's easy to look at this, but what if, what if comfort was not so much a companion, but a confinement? Like, what if comfort, you, you're looking at comfort, and what if you're thinking, man, this is amazing, but really what it's doing is it's cutting you off from everything else that God has for you because you're willing to just, just stay here in your comfort zone. See, what God has for you and for me it's not found, it's not found in, in the comfort. It's found in, outside of that. See, guys, it's not found here, but it's found there. See, I believe that God is wanting to reveal things to some people. Some of you guys, you've been praying to God about certain things. You've been asking God to show me this, answer this. Uh, God, I want to be there. I want to do that. And, and, but the only problem is, is that we're right here. We're like, God, show me what to do. But we're like, we're right here in this comfort zone. And God's like, I want to answer. I want to show you. But I can't show you while you're here. you got to go there. And so I wonder if, I wonder if it's possible for you and I to, to be able to go from, from here to there. The way that we get to wanting to, to go from here to there is that we have to be okay with this thing called the stretch. We have to be okay with tension. We have to be okay with the uncomfortable. We have to be okay with failing. We have to be okay with, with not really knowing what I'm jumping into. But until you get to that place, you'll always be stuck here and never there. See, and, and we look at we look at the life of Jesus, and Jesus, again, Jesus came so that we could have life in its fullness, right? And so everywhere you look in the scripture, Jesus comes and he brings fullness of life. But if you notice that that when he offers this this life that it first takes the person that he's talking to stretch you look at the the disciples they said Jesus we, we got to feed all these people can you can you go get some food and and Jesus says no you do it well 
realistically, I agree that in, in Jesus, is like, I want to provide. But first, give me all that you have, right? And, and so he, he, they offer him two fish and five loaves, right? That's just, could you imagine like, oh, this is awkward. What is Jesus going to do with this? And then he, and we know the story. He makes it work. We got to stretch, right? This this idea that the the disciples are on the water. It's a stormy night, and and they see what seems to be a ghost walking on water. And Jesus is like, "Come out to me, like it's me. Come to me, like it's me. I'm here for you. But you need to step out of the boat first. You you got to stretch." See, I feel like that's Jesus' heart for us right now. It's like, he's like, hey, I'm here for you. Just stretch. Just stretch. He wants to do something. Now, in my closing this morning, um, I had a friend, I believe it was my mentor, he shared this with me, uh, this idea of being okay with the stretch, right? Because clearly, you can't be here if you're wanting to start a church you got to be you got to be okay with there right and so I was talking to my mentor about just like this I'm like I don't know if we should do this church start this church like my kids like this is risky I have to cut, quit my job and and uh, we have to move in with my in-laws and like I like is this going to work and and he, he gave me this illustration and I hope that it blesses someone this morning told me that you have to be okay with the stretch. He said you got to be okay with the stretch. You got to be, you got to be fine with the stretch. This thing ain't working. We'll just keep it like that. We're good. We're good. You got to be okay with the stretch. He said, think of it like a slingshot. See, the enemy, he doesn't want you, he, he doesn't want you to go from, from here to there because he understands that your stretch determines your distance. And so, I'm about to preach. And so, what the enemy will try and have you do is to believe that you don't need to stretch in order to see the fullness of what God has for you. But the tension, the stretch, determines the distance. And so, maybe I meant, no, okay, we're good, we're good. Thank you, Jules. And, and so, and so what, what, what happens is that He'll begin to get you to think that you don't need to stretch, that you're fine here, that everything that you ha- he has for you is here, and he'll make you feel like, like you're okay with here. And here's why, because he knows if there's no tension, there's no distance. But he understands what happens if there's a little bit of tension. Don't worry, he's aiming up. He understands what happens when there's a little when there's a little stretch going on. And then for those of you that that uh, that have tried to stretch here, here's what happens. 
Yeah, let, you can just hold it for me. Thank you. Here's, what's ha- here's what happens. As you begin to pull it, and then the enemy's like this. Hey, you remember last time you stepped out of your comfort zone? You don't want it to snap again. It hurt you last time. And so you're maybe right here, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Letting go of that tension, that stretch. But everything that God has for you is not found here, but it's found. It's not found here, but it's found. It's not found here, but it's found. And so what he wants you to do, God is like, hey, trust me. Trust me. I want to stretch you. God, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Just trust me. Let me stretch you. God, I don't know. It hurts. I was hurt last time. Last time they, they talked about me. Last time I failed. Last time I fell on my face. Hey, trust me. Because the stretch determines the difference. The stretch determines the difference. There's something he wants to do in your life, but it doesn't happen here. It happens there. It's when he stretches you and you get to that place of feeling uncomfortable. Like I don't want to do it, but he's stretching you. Because in the stretch, in the stretch, there is fullness of life. In the stretch, there's something he wants to do. In the stretch, you got to be okay with the stretch. Because Jesus is life. And in him there is fullness of life. But it's not found here. It's found there. This morning, here's what I'm asking. That you would begin to trust God. Begin to say, God, I know I was hurt last time. I know I failed last time. I know it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. But if the fullness of life, the fullness and the potential of what you have for me, if it's only found in the uncomfortable, then then I'm gonna trust you in the stretch. See what you're gonna do with my life. Amen, somebody. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.